unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Nathan, I'm good. Just a few spring allergies, but other than that, I'm fine. How are you? Oh, man. I, same. I'm living right next to the mountains and all the pollen in the air is driving me nuts. And every time I sneeze in public, people look at me like I'm a terrorist with the, with the COVID and it's just a wonderful time. I'll tell you what. Yeah. I mean, so they can replicate the MRNA down to, you know, the molecule, but why can't they do anything about pollen allergies? <laughs> right. So what do we got lined up today? Well, today we return to our old masters series, but this one is really different. We're going to look at some of the best specific advice from two people who weren't copywriters. One was a teacher of writing who had a real big influence on playwrights and screenwriters. And the other one didn't even teach writing at all, at least not writing as we know it. And we'll get to these people in a minute. What they had in common was they had mastered how to create works that really reached people emotionally in a way that most writers, including most copywriters, only at best have a vague way to do. When you apply what I learned from them to what we do, I call this to-the-bone copywriting because it reaches deeper into your prospect than even some of the most successful sales letters. And by doing so, it will make any sales letter even more successful. You'll have to take a leap of faith and see if you don't agree with me once we get knee-deep into this to-the-bone stuff. Until then, I hope you agree that copy is powerful and you're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So when we get to the phrase, the art and science of copywriting, the art and science of copywriting, today's show is about the art part. Not art for art's sake, but some modified artistic ideas and techniques for pragmatic purposes copy that connects better, reaches people more deeply when they're reading it, and converts better as a result. So we're taking from the works of two old masters, and you may have never heard of them before. That's all right. They come from fields other than copywriting. But they had such an overwhelming influence on two different major art forms in the 20th century where emotional connection and meaningful audience experience are the coin of the realm. I was sure I could dig out some ideas and shape them usefully for copy. Our first old master was a man by the name of Lejos Egri. Originally from Hungary, he came to the U.S. and wrote a book for playwrights called The Art of Dramatic Writing, and many writers and directors in Hollywood have used his ideas for putting films together. Now, The Art of Dramatic Writing 
is really too heavy duty for copywriting purposes. But Agri also wrote a book that is out of print today and very hard to find. It's called Your Key to Successful Writing. And this was almost in Four Dummies version of his original book. It's very solid, but it's pared down to the basics. And I found a couple of to-the-bone secrets in there that are nearly ready-made for copywriting. Our second old master is very well known to students of classical and some degree popular music. And he's almost, she rather, is almost invisible to nearly everybody else. But she is almost solely responsible for American concert music starting to be taken seriously in the rest of the world starting in the 20th century. Her name was Nadia Boulanger, and she lived in Paris. Americans, including Aaron Copeland, Leonard Bernstein, Burt Bacharach, and Quincy Jones, are among the people she taught. And she influenced all of American and European music tremendously, not single-handedly, but tremendously. She was also a composer, a conductor, and a performing musician, but most of her work was teaching. Now, she was a music person, not a words person. Very literate and educated, but everything was music for her, writing music, analyzing students' music. And some of her students are famous composers like Stravinsky and Yehudi Menuhin, the violinist, talking about music. The book we're talking, uh, we're drawing from is called Mademoiselle. It consists of reconstructed conversations she had. They're actual words she spoke, but they're reorganized into more of a conversation with an imaginary interviewer. And this book is also out of print, very hard to find. The reason I chose Le Joche Aigri and Nadia Boulanger for today's Old Master Series show is they helped writers and composers make a deep emotional connection with their viewers and listeners in ways few other teachers were able to. So what they have to say will be useful to copywriters looking for their next edge. Okay, let's start with our To the Bone secrets. I'm just going to object. I make my buying decisions logically, not emotionally, David. Uh, And how do you feel about that? (laughs) Uh, I feel like I'm lying because even though I'm a very logical-minded person, I know that most of my buying decisions are first and foremost made emotionally, and then I find some logical reasons to back up that emotional decision. So emotions play a huge role in every decision of our life, but especially in our buying decisions. Well, there's a a great author. He's a psychology professor. He writes really clear language in, in New York University named Jonathan Haidt. And he said, the conscious mind is like the rider. The unconscious mind is like the elephant. And the conscious mind is the logical mind. And the conscious mind thinks it's the Oval Office, but it's just really the press office. (laughs) yeah very true all right so uh (laughs) thank you for that way of call all right um to the bone secret number one character this one is from leishos agri's book your key to successful writing Uh, again hard to find out of print i'm just going to quote from him now many people have no conception or who or what a character is every human being possesses some kind of characteristics that eventually stamp him for some people as being different, in short, being a character. 
deformities or perfections, for that matter, are equally characteristic. That is to say, and this is me talking now, or not, that's always been me talking, but this is me not quoting him, but explaining. This is to say, someone who looks like a model out of a magazine or a TV commercial, this stunning physical look, that look counts just as much as a characteristic as the hunchback on the hunchback of Notre Dame. Because in either case, these unusual looks set them apart. Now, we have many characteristics. Every person does. But for the sake of writing that cuts right to the bone, according to Agri, you need to focus on just one, the one that sets a person apart. He writes, the singular characteristic will necessarily overshadow all other characteristics and must stand out like a sore thumb for everyone to see, except, of course, the person himself. So this is not like a laundry list or a police report where all the details are reported thoroughly and neutrally and given equal weight. Just the opposite. For writing that makes an impact, you turn that person, you practically turn that person into their characteristic. In movies, you see this a lot because it works. Um, here are a few examples that Agri gives. The man who tries to make friends by obvious flattery. The woman who feels that Men are inferior to women. The men who thinks he can do everything better than anyone else. Now we're going to tweak this idea a little for writing copy. For character, you have a couple of possibilities. Your letter has a narrator. It's usually one person talking to the reader. And we call that person the narrator. So it could be the character of the narrator of your letter. That would be you if you're writing for your own offer or your client if you're writing copy for someone else. Secondly. If in the course of the letter you tell a story about somebody or the web page or the webinar or the VSL, you tell a story about someone, it might only be a few paragraphs in your copy, but to make that person important and memorable, you can give them one defining characteristic that stands out. I saw a video where Michael Tilson Thomas, a famous musician and conductor who's won 11 Grammys, was talking about how he approaches a score when he's going to conduct an orchestra. He pointed out there are so many instruments and so many different parts of the piece he'll be conducting. <clears throat> he said what he does beforehand when he's studying the score is to determine the composer's priority. He used a Hebrew word, kavana, to describe it. That word means intent. In other words, what's the one characteristic that runs through the whole piece that will guide him on how he conducts the musicians? This is similar to what we copywriters call the rule of one, where we have one theme that we carry through an entire sales letter. And with the people in the letter, the same idea holds. You don't need to make the people one-dimensional, but you do need to see them and write them through the prism of this one characteristic. Now, when you go to the hardware store, like I did last week, to buy a utility knife like this, you probably want a standard utility knife, right? Standard utility knife made by a company called Stanley, which sounds a lot like standard. It's a commodity. That's what I got. But when you're reading a sales letter from a person about a unique product, you tend to get more engaged and you'll be more likely to buy if you can get an individual sense of the person talking to you. Even though you're reading, it seems like they're talking to you. Characters may have several qualities, but they usually have one overriding characteristic that makes them 
interesting and sets them apart. Of course, people in real life are more complex than that. But complex, ambiguous people usually don't work out well in written stories or as brand identities. Let's look at the words. In the, if you go to walmart.com, you look at the words in the search bar, you'll see these three words before you type in your own words. Always low prices. It's pretty good. It's what people want, and that's what they expect at Walmart. That's what they get. But suppose instead of those three words, Walmart had written this. Walmart. You might hate the other shoppers, but at least you'll love our low prices. And the quality is surprisingly good. Most of the time, that is. And as for the people at the stores, even if you don't like everyone at Walmart, you'll love the greeter. That wouldn't work. So I think always low prices works a lot better. So I have a question about this. In writing, a lot of times there's, as far as characteristics go, the main character has a goal that they're trying to accomplish, but they also have, so they've got the outer goal and then they've got the inner goal that ties to it. So a real quick example would be Star Wars. Luke wants to defeat the Empire. That's his outer goal. But his inner goal is he's impatient, he's easily frustrated, he's dealing with anger issues. And in order to accomplish his outer goal, he has to fix that character flaw. So he is the hero, he's the guy that has a good heart, but he's also got a, a negative character trait that he has to overcome or he has a goal of, of improving that part of himself in order to reach the outer goal. Does that play into this at all? Well... That's a little more complicated than um, what you would usually use in copy. I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, and, and that, is, that is how modern film drama works. And as we move, move through some of the other stuff, I think you'll see that you're using a reduced set of, of, these, of these qualities um, or of these things that, that work in, in drama. I mean... One of the reasons, you know, we can really identify with Luke is because we're all like that. Maybe not those exact things, but we all have these outer goals and we have these inner demons that are plaguing us and, and holding us back. It usually boils down to something simpler in copy itself. Okay, so that might be going overboard if you try to implement something like that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's actually, I think that's, that's more from the people who followed Joseph Campbell, um, like maybe Michael Haig or, um, uh, uh, not Sid Field, but, uh, uh, Bob McKee, people like that who are talking about the inner journey and the outer journey here. We're just talking about a characteristic, great beer, pinky in the brain hat, um, great lighting in his studio. You know, it might just be one thing. Okay. All right. Uh, let's go, uh, let's move on to the next one. Okay. So to the bone secret number two is attentiveness. Say it like you mean it and listen like you mean it too. This is from Nadia Boulanger, the music wizard. I warn you now she speaks in shorthand and code, but there's a depth of wisdom in what she says, and it will definitely help you reach people in more significant ways when you follow it. And I'll try to explain it for you. So here's Nadia. There are people who shake hands like a dead fish. Not very pleasant. Conversely, when some people shake your hand, you register an exchange, however brief, an extraordinary exchange between that person and you. She goes on, there is a phrase in Hamlet, 
which I think of every day in my life without exception. Words without thoughts never go to he- never to heaven go. If I say good morning to you without thinking, I don't exist. I say to myself, never forget that your days are blessed. You may not you may know how to profit by them, or you may not, but they are blessed. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there, right? It's almost like Zen cones, and really very few words. I think what she's talking about, all in all, is engagement. When she talks about thinking, it's a different experience of thinking than we're used to understanding when we hear the word. I believe she means thinking and feeling. She's talking about putting your life force, your intention, into what you say and what you do. Good writers do this all the time. I think about the book author Michael Lewis, who wrote Moneyball, The Big Short, and 15 other books. He writes that way. A number of great copywriters do too. Writing with attentiveness not only means paying attention to details, it means paying attention to the impact of each sentence. It means getting into the reader's shoes and imagining how each sentence will come across. Nadia Boulanger is also talking about gratitude when she says, Your days are blessed. Writing from a place of gratitude, a place of appreciation, rings through to a reader. It gives your writing resonance that is missing in a lot of writing that most people do. For copy, It means believing in what you're writing about and believing in your prospect. Almost a naive kind of attitude. People can tell, they can feel it. The writing will move them when they do. When people are reading, sometimes we've talked about this with guests that we've had on the episodes of the podcast, the feelings, the emotions that they have translate to the listener. And it's the same thing with with, uh, good copy. If you can tap into those emotions, uh, a lot of times they say sales is a transfer of enthusiasm, but it's not just the enthusiasm. It's a wide range of emotions that can be used in the same way. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I, I agree. I want to take a moment to point out how vitally important headlines are in copy. As you may already know, the strength of your headline accounts for up to 80 or even 90% of the effectiveness of your ad. Think about that. What if there were a way to shortcut the headline writing process and start a new headline based on a proven winner? Well, there is. It's all in my book called Advertising Headlines That Make You Rich. This book is available now on Amazon.com. Advertising Headlines That Make You Rich. What's unique about this book is it shows you exactly how to adapt a proven winner to your product or service because I show you 10 adaptations for each headline in different niches and explain the psychology of how to adapt a headline. Advertising headlines that make you rich in hard copy and Kindle formats on Amazon. Now, back to our show. So, to the bone secret number three is obsession and immersion. And this one also from Nadia Boulanger. She says, I consume music in an absolutely crazy way. It's like a disease. When I'm dead tired, having given eight or nine hours of lessons in succession, the first thing I do, and it irritates everyone in the house, is to turn on the radio, and I listen. I am insatiable. When I was younger and my sight allowed it, I was just the same. I would sight-read all the time. She'd pick up sheet music and start sight-reading it and hearing it in her head. Now, here's something interesting about why she speaks in code and in shorthand. She says, 
I think in notes before I think in words, because I didn't learn in the normal way. I learned to read music first before anything else. When I was eight, I played music from the time I was three, reading in all the keys and transposing. Now, there's a lot there, and this is hardly advice for anyone else. This is her unique gift and affliction. Obviously, she was a genius, but I want to point something else out. I know a lost soul who has an IQ measured at 175, but he hasn't done anything with it. He mistakenly believes he's a genius. I'd say he's a genius in waiting. What he has, according to one IQ test, is the capability but it wasn't Nadia Boulanger's capability alone that made her a great influence on Western music. It was the obsession. It was the actions she took. Now, the same thing can be true for a copywriter. And you don't have to be as extreme as Nadia was. In fact, very few people can be. I don't know of any copywriter who was as thoroughly obsessed as she described herself being. But to get really good, you have to go beyond just putting in the time and then switching gears to something else completely. Curiosity, intense, obsessive curiosity plays a big part here. So does learning related things outside your niche, even outside copywriting, and paying attention to pitches in all parts of life, outside of your work, even in your personal life, where you're not a professional, but a consumer or an observer. TV ads that aren't trying to drive a sale, what politicians say and do, courtroom argumentation, TED Talks, the style of great authors who are trying to sell an idea. You want to constantly be asking yourself, what are they doing? How are they doing that? And how could I use a version of that? Joe Schriefer, one time in a conversation, told me that he recommends copywriters read a piece of copy every single day. I deliberately keep ad block off I like to look at the ads and see how what what they're utilizing, but also going beyond just ads and looking at just simple techniques for persuasion in our everyday life. You mentioned uh, watching court cases and closing statements or uh, watching a drama where a guy is trying to convince his girlfriend to go here for dinner instead of there for dinner. Um, which movie should we watch tonight? There's so many there's so many places to draw from that you can uh absorb if you if you're keyed into it and i think that does take a little bit of hopefully a healthy obsession to be able to draw it from all these other places yes de- definitely healthy as far as we're concerned it's healthy okay all right <laughs> yeah okay so here's our last one to the bone secret number 4 use conflict to make it real and this one is from lejos egri he writes No doubt, a skillful way to start any story is to engage your central character in conflict for the simple reason that a character, any character, even you or I, will, in conflict, reveal himself or herself in the shortest possible time. And he goes on, it is advisable always to use opposites in facing each other. And Egri's next five words are very important in all types of writing. If you want to establish conflict from the very beginning, he gives a few examples. An optimist opposed by a pessimist. An honest man opposed by a dishonest man. A spendthrift against a penny pincher. A happy-go-lucky person against a morbid person. And he finishes up by saying, the difference will show up like a white dot on a dark canvas or a wart on a face. So let's take a little time to reflect on all of this. 
this book that that we're talking about here, the key, your key to successful writing, it's for civilians, not for aspiring or professional dramatists. And Agri breaks things down in this book to the most basic pieces. Most important to me is that he says all types of writing. Have you ever noticed stories written by children don't have the kind of conflict that we're talking about in them? Those stories can be wonderful creative expression, but they're usually not as engaging, not as believable as the same way is a story as the way it, as a story with any kind of solid human conflict is. A lot of stories written by adults lack conflict, and these stories usually never get very far. Copy that has no conflict at all doesn't work too well either, but conflict in copy is different than conflict in drama or other forms of entertainment for a couple of reasons. First, the conflict in copy is usually not as big as you would find in novel or a film. It's not elevated to life or death stakes the same way as, say, you would find in The Godfather or Star Wars or There Will Be Blood. The second thing is, very often the conflict you are seeking to build and escalate is a conflict not inside the people in the sales letter, but inside the prospects themselves, namely the conflicts between where they are, where your prospect, your reader is, and where they want to be, and the feeling of dissatisfaction with not being or not being able to get there, which could be relieved by buying your offer. So you can build conflict in terms of contrast and jealousy. Take the famous Wall Street Journal Two Young Men letter. It's the highest track sales of any direct marketing piece, $2 billion. Reading the letter, we're in a college class reunion. Two guys were equals in college show up 25 years later. One is the president of the company. The other's a department manager. It can't be all sunshine and roses for the guy who works for the other guy. The contrast between the two of them must stir up at least some jealousy. And the ambitious prospect reading the letter identifies with this jealousy, or at least a strong feeling of longing for the kind of success the president had and longing to avoid that kind of conflict and disappointment in the future. So they subscribe to the Wall Street Journal as insurance against that conflict from happening in our li- their lives. See, a little different than, than in a movie. Let's think about a couple other examples. John Carlton's famous sales letter about the one-legged golfer. Turns out the one-legged golfer can hit drives a lot farther than most able-bodied golfers who have two legs. The reader might compare the distance the one-legged guy hits his drives against the reader's own drives in the contrast. Jealousy creates a conflict in him that, pardon the expression, drives the reader to buy. <laughs> All right, the, my, my first million dollars in a day letter was for a mentoring program called Renegade Network Marketer. And a big part of that letter was a set of success stories from people in network marketing who had already learned through their own successful life experience what was going to be taught in the course. And for all the people who hadn't found the secrets of success themselves, there's a lot of contrast and maybe some jealousy, certainly some desire. I'm sure that conflict was a big part of the copy success. One easy way to remember or one trick that I use, one of the things that I do whenever I'm interviewing my clients is I ask 
what is it that your prospect is wanting to move away from and what is it that they're wanting to move towards? And that's the easiest way for me to figure out what that conflict is. Boy, that's great. Um, that's so simple and a uh, very high productive question. So my allergies are just threatening to make me sneeze. So if I sneeze in the middle, you'll know what it is. Um, here are four takeaways from to the bone copy, character, attentiveness, obsession, and immersion and conflict and drama. And that wraps it up. And I like what you did with this episode. You recommended that copywriters look for things outside of copy to find lessons about copy. And that's exactly what you did with this episode. You, you went to two people who were outside of the world of copy and was, you were able to draw a bunch of lessons about copy from that. So uh, I commend you for practicing what you preach, David. Thanks, Nathan. You just inspired me to write a headline for an old style ad. David Garfinkel, the man who ate his own cooking. <laughs> there you go. All right, David. Uh, until next time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend the listeners go to copywriterspodcast.com for more episodes and ask that they subscribe to the podcast on their favorite podcast listening app so they never miss an episode in the future. And I want to thank you for putting this episode together. And until next time, man, we will catch you later. Thanks. See you next time. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.